Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, we want to welcome you back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. I've been going over this week some of the basic um, purposes of our program. We have a new station that's joined us here recently in North Carolina. And we always have new listeners coming on board. Some of the material that I want to cover today is things that we've, we've covered from time to time over these last 10 years. The mother of learning is repetition. And so some of the stuff that you have probably heard from me before, you might catch again today and say, ah, now I get it, or I remember that, and I'm going to keep that in my memory and use this and explain this to my friends on this subject. By the way, folks, if you want to dig deeper into this, I recommend uh, you maybe get a copy of our best-selling book, Refuting Islam. We're out of copies. I need to buy more, but you can get it available on Amazon.com, Refuting Islam, and uh, in it we get into the depths of Islam, but the apologetic answers, or really in truth it's more polemic answers. Uh, Let me quickly explain the difference. Apologetics is giving a defense. Every courtroom you're going to, and we're having the uh, hearing, aren't we, there of the um, Justice Barrett, Uh, but in a courtroom you usually have a defense team and a prosecution team. The defense team are the apologists. They're the ones giving a defense. The, the other side of the court is making an argument to show guilt or fault. Well, that's the polemics. And so sometime in, uh, sometimes as Christians, we have to take that prosecution side. And refuting Islam uh, covers both sides in the arena. Uh, the, the Bible does say to us there in Jude uh, chapter 1, verse 3, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. The word contend, epinagonizomai, that is to agonize, to contend. It's not something you do passively. It's something that we must do actively for the faith. 1 John 4.1, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone without into the world. And so God warned us there would be false teaching, false prophets that would be out there. And when they come out, we're to mark them. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So we're not to buddy up to false doctrine, false prophets, false teaching. We're to mark them, to avoid them, and contend for the faith that was delivered to us. Well, Islam is a false religion, a false teaching. Muhammad, who came along about six, 700 years after Christ, claimed to be receiving revelations from the angel Gabriel, and he gave a different gospel. And so we are to examine what he had to say and see if it's of God, and if it's not, then we call it out for what it is. So let's get down to the brass tacks. Let's get down to the basics here. Now, first of all, folks, When we come to the subject of Islam, you have to separate two things here. You have to separate the ideology, the religion, from the people and how you think and look at 
Islam and the Muslim, the Muslim, they're the people, they're the followers, they're the adherents. Islam is an ideology, a teaching, a doctrine invented and created by a man named Muhammad, who was an Arab. When we look at these things, you have to separate the two. And when you come to Islam, there's two Islams. There's the real and the fake. Can we say that of Christianity? Of course we can. We can say there's real Christianity and fake Christianity. Fake Christianity teaches a false doctrine. There are wolves and false teaching, false prophets, in the name of Christianity. People teaching uh, that you earn your way to heaven. You plead, you get, you're seeking God's pleasure. There's purgatory. There's saints that we pray to and Mary that we pray to and other false teachings and so on. There, So there's real Christianity and fake Christianity. In Islam, there's real Islam and fake Islam. How do you know the difference? Are there tools to help you discern which one is real and which one is fake? Well, there are. It's the same thing for Christianity. How do you know someone's teaching the true Christian doctrine or teaching a fake Christian doctrine? Well, there's two things that will help you. Um, one will be the scriptures and uh, their founder. Okay, Are they following Christ, their founder? Are they following the scriptures, the Bible? If they are, then you're going to find true faith. If they're diverting from what Christ said, if they're diverting from the scriptures, then you know uh, there's the fake side. Okay? Well, in Islam, the same thing's true. The real and the fake. If you follow the founder, Muhammad, um, if you're following his teachings and his words, uh, then you're going to be likely the real side of it. If you're following the scriptures, the Quran, then you're going to be uh, on that side. Now, it may surprise you to learn. Well, where, where does the militant Muslim, where does the terrorist fit? Now, the media, if you listen to the media and the government at large, you're going to be probably thinking that the militant Muslim, the terrorist, he's probably on the fake side of Islam. He's not really following the prophet. He's not really following their scriptures. The opposite is the case. The militant Muslim, the radical Muslim, the, you know, whatever you want to call him, the radical, the militant, the terrorist, that is the face of real Islam. That's what Muhammad did. That's what Muhammad said. That's what Muhammad uh, dictated and required his followers to uh, do. And it's in his scriptures. It's full of it. Doesn't take long to study this to figure this out, folks. And we'll lay out the evidence. Uh, and you'll have that here on this program to be able to be armed with that information. Again, my book, Refuting Islam, is filled with the evidence. And so you'll, you'll find that the real is, is where the militant Muslim is located. Now, the fake side, uh, these are the reformers. These are the people who've tried to make their religion a little kinder and gentler. The Ottoman Empire was largely responsible for that. Um, and most of the Muslims, for uh, the good news is, is that most of the Muslims in the world, especially in the West, are following the fake form of Islam. They've been reformed. Uh, their theology of Islam has been changed, and they're not following the, uh, the, the prophet and so on. And we'll get into uh, 
these sources. And actually, we'll probably get into that real, real soon, I think, even in today's broadcast. So let's look at the beginning of Islam. Here's how, how a Muslim thinks. A Muslim, if you bump into him in the street and get into a conversation with them, I guarantee you that they're likely going to start here. They're going to probably tell you, well, we worship the same God that you worship. Our God, Allah, is the same God that you worship. So where do they get this from? Well, of course, it comes from their prophet, Muhammad, and from the basics of Islam. So let's go back in some history. Um, let's go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham, uh, he had um, two sons. Well, he had more than two, but you know we, we speak often of the two sons. Ishmael, the firstborn, came from uh, Abraham's marriage to Hagar. Remember her? Um, God promised he'd be father of a great nation. And he's getting old. He doesn't have any children. And Sarah is barren. And so he, she suggests, here, take my handmaid, Hagar, marry her, have a child, and uh, in, in a sense, she'll be the surrogate mother for me, since she's my property, my slave. And, and so thus they did. And Ishmael was born. Oh, there's much we could talk about Ishmael. Now, this is not where Islam starts, but there's a beginning to the story here of Islam at this point. And then later, of course, uh, we see that uh, Sarah does have a child, and his name is Isaac. Both of them, by the way, their names were given from heaven. Very few people had that honor. And this division begins, the, this family feud uh, creates a, a division in the world. From Ishmael comes the Arabs, and they've always been an antagonist to their half-brothers, their cousins, so to speak, the Jews, where the Jews come from, Isaac. And, uh, in fact, the Bible describes in Genesis chapter 15, uh, Ishmael, he'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand will be against him, and he will dwell in the uh, uh, presence. Uh, poimonia is the actual Hebrew word meaning kind of like the expression here is like you're in my face, an antagonism. He'll be in the face of his brethren. Well, his brethren were the Jews. And so this, uh, and so this division creates uh, animosity. And when Muhammad came along, 600 years after Christ, he gets these revelations, and he claims that the chosen son is not Isaac, but rather Ishmael, and that the Jews are trying to steal the birthright of the Arabs, that it should have been Ishmael that is honored from God. And so this notion, this division, and this is how the Quran puts it. And by the way, the Quran places uh, Abraham taking his son Ishmael, whom he loved, to be sacrificed. So it's Ishmael. That's there, and the Bible, the Jews, corrupted the Bible, changed it to favor Isaac, and so thus this conflict has grown. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time, but let me try to lay out for you what um, the scriptures of Islam. There are four holy books in Islam. The holy books would be the Torah, the first five books of Moses, 
yet they don't read them because they believe that they've been corrupted by the Jews, but they consider them holy of God, that they came from God. Then the, the Zabor. The Zabor are the poetic books, David and Solomon. They consider them prophets of God. Then you have the Angel. The Angel are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, uh, the testimonies of the companions of Jesus. The Gospel. They believe that Jesus was given the Gospel. They have no idea what the Gospel was, but he was given the Gospel. And they believe Jesus a prophet of God. And the last of the four and the best of the four holy books are the Quran. All the others have been corrupted by the Jews and the Christians. Uh, corruption crept in. But the Quran has been guarded from corruption and thus corrects the mistakes there. So the Quran would be, in a sense, now, uh, Jew, uh, Muslims do not read, uh, you know, the, the Bible. They're, they're per, not permitted to do so because it's been corrupted. And so they go to everything they go to is to, to the Quran, but there, there are some other sources. And there's nine other books, nine, actually ten, the Hadith and the Sirah. The Hadith and the Sirah are the words of their prophet Muhammad. So you got the Quran, which are the words of their God, Allah, and the, and the Sunnah, which is, includes the Hadiths, which are nine volumes, and the tenth book would be the Sirah. The Sirah is about the size of the Old Testament itself. And uh, in these nine volumes there, apparently Muhammad had more to say than uh, God, Allah, in the Quran, which is 114 chapters. We're going to have to stop there, but um, we'll try to break these things down. I hope it's been helpful for you in understanding a little bit about Islam and where its doctrines come from. We'll get into the Sharia law a little later. And so join us again tomorrow at the corner of truth and courage. God bless you.